what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and an author. You can learn more about me at EliseCortez.com or Gusto-Now.com. If you've been tuning in for a while, then you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders in enlivening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. Now onto this week's program with us today is Dr. Holly Woods. She is the founder of the Emergence Institute and a purpose activator, best-selling author, scientist, master coach, and mentor, speaker, business consultant, and a visionary who sees deeply into your soul. Today we'll be talking about her new book, The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life, which demonstrates how to find the clues and hints about your purpose throughout your life and to see that your greatest contribution emerges that, from that clarity. She joins us today from San Francisco, California, Holly, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Elise. It's so great to be here. Really looking forward to this conversation. I am too. And let me just show our, our, our viewers your beautiful book. Dang it, this is gorgeous. Look at this beautiful book, The Golden Thread. Oh my gosh, darling. You have produced really something magnificent, and I really want to commend you for that. And I enjoyed every single last read of the, I think, nearly 400 pages that it was. So thank you for birthing it. Thank you so much. I, I just appreciate that you read it. Um, it just, it delights my soul every time somebody says they've read it and it was useful because it was definitely something I had birth. I can appreciate that. I can say that, you know, I do that for all of my authors because that's part of my journey as well. But just today for the first time I was on somebody else's podcast and they did that for me. They read my book cover to cover. I'm like, oh, that's what it feels like. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, let's kick it off here. I, I want to I want to open with your purpose, and I want to just do a little bit of a quote from your book, and then have you talk about it a little bit. It's so beautiful the way that you say this, Holly. You say, "quote I didn't know then that truth telling would be a major part of my identity and my purpose at age four. It has become the psychic scalpel I use to help my clients uncover and claim their purposeful lives. I'm one of the most blessed people on the planet to get to see people's souls and call them to their life's work." Ah. That's so gorgeous. Thank you. And you know, the, the truth telling part is actually just one facet of my purpose. Um, there are several facets that I have clearly identified and truth telling is one of them. And um, as we'll talk about, you know, each of these, the facets of our purpose become illuminated at different points in time. And they don't always appear, you know, all at once. Like it just, you don't get some big download that this is my purpose. Generally, it shows up in some way that you get to express more and in, in, in a more refined way. And, and it is demonstrated then as one of those contributions that you make over and over and over the thing that you can't not do, which is how I talk about purpose. Yeah, me too. 
Well, it's it's just it's so crisp. And and for our leaders, or for our readers, people who haven't who haven't actually read your book yet, I should say, tell us what is the golden thread. So the golden thread um, is what I'd call a through line in your life. I began seeing this thread in my own life relatively early, but then I had the chance to raise four kids, two of my own and two stepkids. And in numerous other opportunities in my life, I started seeing that there is a thread, a um, this through line that runs from birth all the way to you know current age. And there are some of the facets of your purpose are being expressed in one way or another and they have some similarities commonalities but they don't necessarily um, look the same to the the person themselves because we can't see from the outside so as i work with clients and i i did this especially for my daughters who um, live very purposeful lives is you get to see how this thread weaves through your life and is attempting to pull you and push you and give you a nudge and you know, pull you along toward a more evolved expression over and over in life. Um, so it's it's that which just sort of runs through. You can't help but live it. Mm-hmm. Beautifully articulated. And then along those same lines, I'd love for you to generate why purpose is worth pursuing in life. Well, um, one of the most important reasons that I experience and um, my clients come to me is because they want more meaning and fulfillment. Um, we as humans can tend to live pretty empty lives if we're on the rat, you know, in the rat race treadmill, trying to make money and just accomplish the basic tasks of living. And we just sort of throw up our hands and say, is that all there is really? That's the only reason I'm here on the planet. And so most people I work with and know in the world, like want something more. We know there's something more and it speaks to us. But the, the other reason is that um, we are here to make a particular contribution. And that contribution is our purpose expressed in life. Mm-hmm. And if we don't make that contribution in the many ways that we can make it in lifetime, the many expressions, then nobody else is going to make that contribution. I and mean, when you look around at the world and, and you, you question why, why are things the way they are, it's, it's because so few of us are actually living purposeful lives aligned with that, which was our soul trying to come back and do that thing. Mm. Two things, if I can, to that. So I, the same with, with the experience you've had, Holly, when I'm out speaking and I'm sharing my message, very often I hear people reaching for and wanting something more, but they don't know what that something more is. So I've followed a very similar track in that way to, to, to start to do some of the work that I'm doing. And then the other thing that I wanted to speak to that you write about in your book that I just really, really liked is that you talk about purpose as the ultimate nourishment. Um, and so what I mean by that is that when we are living our purpose and blessing ourselves with it, and that blessing is a Tim Kelly phrase, um, I believe that until we bless ourselves with our purpose, you know, for, for me, it comes in many forms, speaking powerful truths, shining love onto shadows. So I began to nourish myself probably in my 20s as I began to, to really begin to think about what my purpose was and understand how to deliver it in the world. It's like, oh, I actually want some of that. <laughs> That's that gift that keeps on giving, but I wasn't giving myself any of that. 
And it's sort of the most basic fundamental form of self-love, right? To, to nourish ourselves with that, which is the deepest expression of our soul. So I began to nourish myself and I noticed that we aren't literally able to give our purpose in the world fully until we can experience the beauty and the depth and the, this magnificent contribution. You know, what's so great about that, what I got from that when, when I read that part of your book is I, I've known this before, but then when you when I read those words from you, it was affirmed. Uh, the book that I just put out, Purpose Ignited, it, it's exactly that. It is it is my, it's what I wrote for me to help me, and I'm sharing it with my readers. It's uh -huh. so, I just so got that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, we are... We are best serving the world when we serve ourselves and our lives first, because then we become fully potentiated and can contribute our gift even greater. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. So I want to get into into this with you. Uh, one of the things you and I talked about before we got on air is that you, you've got so many really big, beautiful, dense concepts that we wanted to be sure and be able to treat them in our time together on air and really let our listeners and viewers walk away with something really meaty that they could put to work and, and start to process further in their lives. And so I want to next go into the three hypotheses that you talk about purpose and have you talk through each one of us, those. So I know you start with purpose is our GPS. So help us with that one. So because you have this through line, this golden thread that is attempting to nudge you and pull you along, um, if you are aware of it and aligned with it, it always gives you some sense of direction and focus. The clarity of purpose is really important for making choices about life decisions that can help you know if you're moving in the right direction or not. You know, not that there's a particular specific predestined way that we should live if we're on purpose, but that as opportunity comes in, if we have clarity, we can begin to make choices and we energetically and emotionally and psychically feel, yeah, that's aligned with who I really am or it's not. And I'm going to pass on that opportunity. Mm -hmm. so it helps guide us along, even in these difficult times of great uncertainty. Beautifully articulated and, and totally uh, aligned. And then the next one, which I don't know a lot about, um, your second hypothesis is, is that our purpose is hidden by our wounding. So in my work, in my own life, and um, you know, in, in my work with clients especially, um, I came to see that we really don't know who we are until we can release and or integrate the shadow that is so apparent in our lives. Um, my conception of purpose is that, you know, our purpose is always pulling us along and it may actually pull us into a circumstance that's very uncomfortable or painful if, if we, you know, are viewing it that way. And in fact, that experience is going to liberate something that causes us, has caused us today to be less than who we really are. So I do a lot of work with clients on the shadow, um, integrating sub-psychic parts, doing energy work, releasing you know old and more recent um, energetic blocks and karma, et cetera. And all of those things hide purpose because we look like something else mm -hmm. other than who we really are until we can integrate the parts that were repressed parts of us just quickly, my belief about purpose as it shows up is that often the parts of us that are most unique and most 
um, expressive of our purpose are the very parts in childhood that were those things our parents said, oh, no, you, you can't be that. That's not what we do. You know, we don't, that's not acceptable in our culture. So um, when we begin to integrate that part back into an adult's life, they magnify that very unique, you know, aspect of themselves. And, and then their purpose, that element of purpose becomes really pronounced. I'm not sure if that was adequate. There's a, there's a lot there. <laughs> I know. I, I just want to say it's, it's really profoundly compelling, that aspect of your work. And again, I don't know that. that I, I don't have an inquiry on that. So that's, that's definitely a way that you approach your work that is, mm-hmm. is, is new for me. And I, and I just think it's very compelling. And then, of course, your third hypothesis, I certainly uh, understand well, because you and I both have a PhD in human development. And so we would, of course, studied lifespan development psychology and the various uh, stages of identity and expression and, and development. So your third hypothesis is our expression of purpose varies by developmental stage. And I find that so incredibly compelling, Holly, the work that you've done on that. Thank you. You know, um, so I've been studying purpose for several decades. When I began studying stages of consciousness with Terry O'Fallon, um, who is both a scientist and an educator and a spiritual being guide, and when I came across her work, it's like, oh, I have to, I have to know that. You know, this is my purpose. Thing. Like, you got to go know that. <laughs> And so I began studying with her. And after the first week-long workshop I did with her, oh, my head was filled with like, oh, my gosh, this explains so much. Doesn't it, though? About what I didn't understand about purpose. And so I immediately came home and began mapping purpose across the stages of consciousness and her model. And like, okay, now I get it. And so this, this was, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And I began this deep exploration about how per and so that's when I began actually really testing it in my clients to see how does it show up and that's what led me to the thread because I began to see that it it looks different across the stages of our life depending on consciousness from this perspective is perspective taking you know our ability to see the world the world view and how we can be in the world because of what we see you and I could talk about this for an hour, probably. <laughs> oh, just on that topic alone, he's like, "Let's never mind that hour. Let's just let me just come to San Francisco and we'll hang out for the weekend or something, <laughs> right?" Uh, no, it's beautiful, and we're going to get more deeply into that, of course. But I think now is a good time to grab our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Dr. Hollywood. She's the founder of the Emergence Institute and the Golden and the author of the Golden Thread: Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. We've been talking a bit about just why purpose is important and some of her hypotheses. After the break, we're going to go in a little bit deeper and start to really get behind the scenes. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I want to say again, if you didn't hear me say it at the beginning, that I want to, that my book is actually finally out. It came out November 17th. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Online Cause. It's now on Amazon. It's really been fun. It's definitely my pandemic baby. Uh, <laughs> that's what came out of, out of my, my time at home. If you're just joining the program, my guest is Dr. Holly Woods. She is the founder of the Emergence Institute and the author of The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. She joins you today from San Francisco, California. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Okay, so Dr. Hollywoods, let's get into it. I really want to hear you generate this. Um, we've been your stages of consciousness as an evolutionary framework, as I said before, is just to me so profound. Um, and so, if for, first, if you would speak a little bit to why did you, you know, what's behind that? Why is that important for us to understand from a developmental vantage point? Why purpose is an evolutionary force. Yes. Good question. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, and you know, I, I'm not the expert to say purpose is the only evolutionary force, but I do know that it is it is an evolutionary force of significance, and you know, from my perspective, probably the most compelling for the vast majority of humanity because it in itself pulls us along. So as we, you know, I believe our souls bring us here in order to accomplish certain tasks make some contributions and have these experiences in life. And if we are doing so across the stages of our life, not only are we fulfilling developmental tasks at the same time, but we are making greater and greater expressions of purpose. And so that it's a sort of a, a self, um, it's a virtuous circle or cycle, I guess, if you want to call it that, because it continually feeds and nourishes our soul to become more and more of itself. I often say that purpose, being on purpose is when we are more more of who we are and less of who we are not. So because mm. of that, we become a better version of ourselves over time, continually, continuously. And so in that way, it is a driver of evolution, um, at least for us humans. I, yes, and, and so I was very, very intrigued, and I mean, I could have gone down the rabbit hole forever on on the on the uh, twelve stages of consciousness that that you have in your book as as the as the evolutionary framework as you relate it to purpose uh, being expressed. Mm -hmm. For our our listeners and viewers, will you just sort of sort of lay that out for them how that framework works? Absolutely, and just again to reference that this is the work of Terry O'Fallon and her team at Stages mm -hmm. International, and I have just. Have superimposed it on my work and purpose. Um, I got it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, as a scientist and a practitioner. Um, so, in in Terry's work, um, the stages of consciousness model. There are three tiers, and the first tier is concrete. The second tier is subtle, and the third tier is metaware. And the concrete tier is kind of easy to describe. It's you know living in the material world, the things we can see and touch and feel and name because they are concrete objects. And these tiers are based in objects of awareness. Um, so what is it we as humans are tending to as we are aware of ourselves in our lifetime? The middle tier is the subtle tier. And when we graduate from the concrete tier, you know, usually in late childhood adolescence, we begin to experience the subtle forms of life. And that would be our more evolved versions of our thoughts and our feelings and our impressions. And we, we build abstract objects in our mind and we 
and eventually we begin to experience other people's abstract objects over time. Um, and then in the late part of the subtle tier, we begin to do that collectively. I'll come back to that in a minute. And then in the metaware tier, so the object of focus in the subtle tier are subtle objects that you can't see. And that would also be energy moving in our bodies. And the metaware tier is the, the third of these tiers that I described. There are others, but <laughs> this was enough for this book. And the metaware tier, the object of focus is actually awareness itself. So beginning to experience life as we've known it, concrete and subtle, as completely an illusion. Like we did make it all up as humans. We've, we've created these conceptions of life and it worked until we get out here and we realize, oh, it actually, you know, it is illusory and, and we have to transcend include. So those things are real as we're humans on the planet. But I also have an awareness of the awareness of those things. Um, that I can break those tiers down even further to individual and collective. And then there's four stages in each tier, but that's the big picture. <laughs> large. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Mm -hmm. No, that was beautiful, Holly. And I'll tell you the way that you generated that helped me further understand from what you wrote in the book, because I, as you, as I, as you know, I read the book cover to cover, but the way you just articulated that helped me better understand it even more. So beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And listeners and viewers, is this not fantastic? I mean, really, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So this is both of our jams. All right. Got it. Um, I'm right. So we like it. Yeah, it's working for us. Um, all right. So the next thing I want to get to, which I will, will speak to a little bit too, that I just really appreciate the way that you talk about it, Holly, is that you write that purpose sets us up to experience a pull or a longing, which generates reactions that might look like enthusiasm, passion, energy, creativity, or creative expression, love, and excitement. And you say all of these expressions can help us figure out whether an invitation or a decision isn't in alignment with our organic nature. But you also say that it can show up as fear, trepidation, anxiety, and other shadow forces if we're fighting against our wounding to be more of ourselves. That is so compelling. Say more about that. Well, so I've, I've described a couple of times here that um, because purpose is the evolutionary driver and it's always pulling us forward, you know, we're not going to know that unless we have some physical, visceral or energetic or psychic experience of that. So I talk about the imprints and I help my clients begin to understand those imprints in their own lives. So what is it you experience emotionally, energetically, mentally, psychically? There's all of these, you know, somatically, all the ways that we react to the world around us. So when we have, you know, something comes into our awareness and it's an invitation, you know, uh, we're invited to do something with friends, let's say, and you get an experience like, ah, do I want to do that or not? And you begin to tune in to what your body in all its imprints is telling you about, is that aligned with the truth of me? Do I really, is that something that really fits in the version of myself that I am today and who I want to become. And so we begin to assess these things as we're moving forward. Um, I've forgotten the second half of your question. I apologize. I've got so wrapped up. Well, I just wanted you to speak more to it. So you're doing great because it's, it's, it's just I, what I wanted to showcase for our listeners and our viewers is to be to start paying attention to that polling, right? Once because once we're in the I want to call it like the force field of sorts, that it's becomes it, for me impossible not to feel that. Right, right, and and so the more attuned we are to these expressions, these physical and energetic expressions of life around us, 
and we know what our, we have some clarity about purpose, we're more likely to stay aligned if we're paying attention to these um, expressions that can be emotional. That's where the first part of the question is. It's sometimes that, you know, when we're, when we're touching something that is purposeful, that's aligned with who we really are, we get excited and expired and, you know, just delighted and joy and wonder and awe, but it can also be fear. Like, okay, that feels aligned, but I am not quite ready for that yet. Mm -hmm. So fear and trepidation may not actually be the opposite of purpose. Sometimes they can be, oh, I, I know it's on my way. It's out there in the trajectory, but I'm a little afraid of it. So this, mm -hmm. is, I tend to work with people. I work with a lot of executives and leaders who have these big visions of what they want to implement in the world, but some part of them is very very tentative to move forward in that because it touches into some part of them that's not quite fully expressed. So we have to work on the integrating shadow so they can fully be here and, and execute on that project or task, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. As I said to you in, in our exchange, one of the things that I got from reading your book that was so useful for my own journey is uh, I, I recognize and I believe this is a self, this is a self-assessment, obviously. I would would need your way in to see if I've got this right. But I, I firmly believe that I, at age 49 in 2014, really was in the end of the subtle tier and at the 4.5 level. And as I really was being totally, I was leaning into all of the stuff around the meaning work research. And I, I started the radio show. I went to India to, to go present to for, for a conference and it was all just flowing, right? And I think that's where I was. I think today I'm at the beginning of the MetaWare at 5.0, and I can absolutely feel that pulling for something else, Holly. I don't know where it is, where it's going. I just know I have the good sense to listen to it and be obedient and, and, you know, go where it's telling me to go. But I can feel that volcano sort of, you know, going and like, what, I'm reaching for something and I don't know where it is, but and it's so incredibly enlivening and compelling. So listeners and viewers, if you don't, don't know what I'm talking about, that's your cue to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, at least I'm, I, and I actually can feel, um, I can feel your presence exactly where you say it is. Reading, you, you know, reading about you on the paper doesn't give me an experience of it, but as you're describing it. So I worked with Terry and her team and, um, you know, in the diagnostic arena to try to be able to assess where people are. So that's one of the things I do with my clients is figure out where they are. And in that process, then we also get to say, well, what are the developmental gaps that might have been here or here? And, and so if I were working with you, I would, I would look to see if there are any specific gaps or where's the shadow and or, you know, what's out in the future that we need to to give you some additional skills or capacities. So the, the three kinds of work I do with people really are stabilizing within whatever tier stage you're in, bringing in the shadow, doing some developmental work to catch up and or building new capacities to go toward the leading edge. So those are the kinds of things that we do. Mm -hmm. Is it just, and not a bad way to spend a day, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I feel incredible. I feel so grateful to, to do this. I'm so grateful that I chose to step onto this path and accept accept how I was being pulled. I'm so grateful for that. It's the best thing ever. And there's so much more to unfold. I know that it's a forever process, right? Um, how lucky is that? 
Um, all right, so another thing that I wanted to talk about for our listeners and viewers is you talk about three steps to lead us into greater purposeful expression. So I'd love to have you talk through each one of those. The first one you say is gaining clarity about our purpose. Yeah, and so the initial work I do with all my clients, regardless of, you know, everybody has some sense of their purpose. And, and there's always another level of clarity that can help us gain the nuanced discernment that that I have about my own purpose and that I like for my clients to have because when we have that deeply nuanced one of a kind nobody else in the whole cosmos has your purpose then we can actually point you toward that in such minute ways that those expressions that we talked about the somatic and energetic etc become more viable as indicators of alignment or not when you're not so clear, it's a little harder to use those experiences in life. Um, and, and I find that people who, you know, I know my purpose. I hear that all the time. Oh, I know my purpose. Um, and, and clearly, there are many people doing wonderful work in the world. I do not intend to, to diminish that importance of doing good work. Um, but knowing purpose allows you to have this keen discernment about this direction or that direction or this moment or you know next month or you know this partner this colleague and and all of those things can be really confusing you know when you add them all up we can just feel like oh my god life's so overwhelming yeah. but when you're on purpose in that deeply clear way it life gets easier mm-hmm. it's like you get out of bed and you know exactly what's on task today Mm-hmm. Completely get that. In fact, it was interesting. I was on a coaching call with someone this week and was talking about um, your work, your work, our work, and and she's made amazing progress. And she's on, you know, she's on her own journey. And she said that sounds so overwhelming. And I'm like, actually, no, it's really yummy. <laughs> it's really yummy. Um, but you know, for her, that's how it occurred. So, all right. The the second um, thing that you talk about there is, and this is so important, and I do this definitely in my work too, but I'm sure it's different than you do because of the, I don't do the shadow stuff, but you talk about getting rid of the doubt, fear, limiting beliefs, childhood wounding, shadow, and karma that holds us back. So I mentioned earlier, um, probably because of my own life, you know, so we've you and I do similar work and obviously we each are living our own unique nuanced version of, of purpose work, purpose mm-hmm. activators. Um, so because of my experience and my childhood and all the trauma that I had in life, um, this was a part of my way of being with purpose. And so, you know, we all have things that can be um, cleaned up or cleared and most of the people I work with have some level of shadow. And that's, you know, shadow is just that which we can't see about ourselves. And so in my work, I, I help people see what it is that's keeping them from being their next best version of themselves. And often there is um, what I call sub-psychic parts that are not integrated and that need to be invited back in, negotiated with, resolved in order to become a part of the bigger whole. So we become more whole humans, more purposeful humans when all of those parts are reintegrated. Um, And I do energetic work also, which releases energy from this lifetime and many other lifetimes, um, which kind of is a whole nother story as well. Mm -hmm. As you were speaking, I was just reminded that one one of the most amazing noble 
humbling things about my experience in my work is that I literally get to witness watching people's molecules transform before my very eyes, right? Yeah. As they come to a new understanding of themselves, they learn, they, they come to recognize really who they are, they come home to themselves. It's like the most amazing thing to witness that. Yeah, it is, I agree. Your third point is taking small bold steps onto our aligned path. Curious to hear how you talk about that. So as an entrepreneur and a manifester, um, kind of early in my life, I began building things. I just sort of couldn't help it. <laughs> could not do it. You know, I didn't go get an MBA or have that kind of background, but because of who I am in the world and my ability to see abstract conceptions and then just go build them, um, I began building businesses and organizations and projects and really it became a part of who I was. So I tend to work primarily with people who are building things, entrepreneurs or founders or executives who've got new projects. And um, oftentimes, you know, the very first step, once you get clear and remove all the limitations, that what wants to come out is something creative. Whether it's a, you know, revision of a current product or a new role, um, there's something new that wants to be birthed. And, and usually we're quite trepidatious about mm -hmm. stepping into that new version of us because we've not been there before. It's so new. And so I help people work on possibility mindset and gaining strategies and feedback loops and all these things, um, you know, agile mindsets, all these things that would be considered sort of entrepreneurial business development kinds of tasks. But I incorporate them in my work because you know, what's the point of being on purpose if you're actually not offering the world, you know, the, the most evolved version of you. So I completely, hope build that. Completely agree. Put it out to work in the world. We need it. I, yeah. I, I, love, I love what we each get to do. And I, I appreciate your unique, special way of doing it. So, so okay. glad to have you on the air. Let's grab our last break. You're welcome. I'm Dr. Lise Cortez, your host. We, we've been in the air with Dr. Hollywood. She's the founder of the Emergence Institute and the author of The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Another announcement for you, if you haven't heard me say this before, but we've launched Gusto Now, which is a transform transformation e-learning platform featuring leadership and professional development courses. We do them in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, which are my favorite languages. If you're just joining us for the show, my guest is Dr. Holly Woods. She is the founder of the Emergence Institute and the, the author of The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. 
Okay, so now we're really going to get a little bit deep here, Dr. Woods. I <laughs> love we haven't been question. deep. Like, we haven't been deep so far, but we're really going deep now. So one of the things that I, I appreciated you talking about, and I wanted you to generate this for our listeners and viewers, is you say that stage-specific in interventions and approaches can support us to develop depth and breadth in each stage so that our experience is grounded in the relevant developmental tasks and we organically unfold into our next expressions of purpose. So talk a little bit about these interventions and approaches. Right, and, and this was some of the work I did with Terry O'Fallon and her team is learning to not only diagnose where people are in their specific stage, but what is needed to either stabilize in that stage or move to the next one. And um, I, I do wanna say here a caveat that while one might think that further evolution, you know, a more advanced stage is always preferable, um, I would, I would I would caution us because, you know, we always think more is better, but in fact, it's, it's more better to, to be stable in whatever stage you're in. And so many people in Western culture have taken the notion that if I just advance my spirituality and I wake up and, you know, gain this vast awareness that I'm going to be my best version of me. And I would say, hold on, <laughs> unless you've actually integrated all your parts and done the shadow work, and gotten all the developmental tasks done, then you're actually not going to service very well way out here in some, you know, psychic bubble um, because you can go to a non-dual place. And that has happened in our culture, Western culture, that has so um, preferred, you know, evolution advancement over stability. And so what I do in these stages is see where people are, what are the developmental tasks. I look at capacities both, you know, as a, a master coach in integral coaching and in, in this work that I've done with Terry, I'm able to define, do we need to stabilize? Do we need to integrate shadow or do we need to work on leading edge? And there are specific interventions depending on the stage and the person themselves. I'm able to, to develop customized interventions. So they're not, they're not cookie cutter. They're very, very custom to the person. I want to acknowledge what you said in the beginning there, Holly, about the importance of not just, and you say this in your book beautifully, that we're, it's not just that, that a race for enlightenment. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's not necessarily the end game. And it's important. I really appreciate how you're talking about being able to uh, cohere the whole person, to integrate the whole person, and not to get, quote, ahead of ourselves. Um, not to get over ambitious on the journey that we haven't quite done the work yet to prepare ourselves for. Right, exactly. Because if we don't have the foundation of those early stages, um, which so many of us don't, I mean, I didn't when I sort of arrived at the Meadow Weird Tier and I, I still had a lot of shadow to mm. integrate. So I have a first, you know, personal firsthand experience of what that feels like and how, um, how challenging life can be if you have to go back and do that deep work. But, but if, if we actually had people in every tier who were healthy and stable, we would not be in this circumstance right now that we're in culturally because we would be able to see and respect the contributions of each tier and each stage and say, wow, I am so glad to have those people in the concrete tier who can provide a foundation, a stable foundation for our culture. And we so need them, you know, much like we recognize through the pandemic, the foundational importance of essential workers. Like literally, if we didn't have them, where would we be? Right. And it's the same for people in the concrete tier. We need to recognize the importance and the beauty and the significance 
of people who haven't been on this vast, you know, lightning speed journey. Um, but we just don't do that. So I'm, I'm smiling because I want you to know that I, I, I when I got through reading your book, I grabbed my 17 year old daughter um, who is about to go off to college next year. She wants to study biology and minor in psychology. And I said, you got to look at this. You got to look at this, um, these three, these three tiers. Of, of awareness in relation to how she maps them to to, to purpose, and she they were both. And then she brought a friend over too, so the three of us are circled around this thing, and they were so excited, going, "Oh wow, we could grow into something like this!" So they got that they were they were in the concrete, you know, their adolescence, and they got where they were, and they, they self-selected, and, and but it was so exciting to see them look and go, "Wow, that's so exciting, so inspiring." So already the next generation. You know, is is as you say in your book um, that you know is maybe better positioned to 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 get this stuff. So um, let's talk about that now as it, as it is, because one of the things that I found quite intriguing is you as you say as younger generations are now able to take advantage of sixty expansive years of human and spiritual development and make use of traditional and alternative modalities for healing. The youngest um, boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z cohorts have begun to rapidly and earlier move into the subtle tier and live from the subtle tier collective three. Anyway, it's there, what I what I want to say for our listeners and viewers that's very technical, but that you're saying you're suggesting that these younger generations have maybe a deeper foundation from which to draw and grow from. <coughs> Excuse me, and you know that's true for every generation. We, if we've done our job, we as a cohort of a generational cohort will have passed on the things we learned. And I can't say that, you know, we boomer, I'm a boomer, so I, we didn't do a great job of that. But I think in the access to the personal spiritual development work that is so accessible now that, you know, we didn't even know what it was when I was an adolescent, like Dr. Spock was <laughs> what my mother read. And so, you know, my children, I can most speak to my adult children, they had access um, you know, they had a very weird mother, but they had access to many understandings and modalities that prior generations didn't have. And so I'm witnessing that these younger cohorts, they, you know, it's in the zeitgeist. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all the celebrities now do, you know, all of these many things. It's just everywhere. There's, there's no end to the amount of acceptability now for personal spiritual development work. And and this, the subtle tier is our, you know, it's our modus operandi. We live in the subtle world so deeply. I mean, through our devices and our, our intellectual property and just all the ways that we express ourselves in the subtle tier, the non-material, um, they have become so adept at living there. And they've also have a greater access to the collective, which is, in each of the three tiers, just briefly, it starts out two individual stages and two collective stages. So that happens in the concrete, the subtle, the metaware. And so because of this global environment that we now live in, and especially in the pandemic, we began to experience people all over the world. Like, oh my God, they're just like us. There's, there's hardly any distinction. There's more commonality than there is difference. And in that process, especially during the pandemic, we sh I, I witnessed we shifted from a early subtle stage center of gravity culturally to a later subtle stage center of gravity because of the lockdown. We accessed our phones and our iPads and our 
you know, our our many devices and we connected with people all over the world yes. and we began to see the commonalities in us as humans and understand that we are actually really just one big collective, aren't we? There's mm-hmm. hardly any distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who have done enough work and integrated those repressed parts anyway can see that. But um, uh, that was beautiful. a little answer. No, it was just stunning. It's just so exciting. And I look at that and I, I think what I hear is just inspiration, possibility, and definitely coming together. I've, I've been saying since the beginning that we've, this has really taught us that we really are in this together and looking for how it is that we are connected and how we're similar and how we can support each other. is such a great opportunity. So I really gravitated to that part of, of your book, talking about these, these younger generations. We're so close to being out of time, Holly. So I have two more questions for you. Okay. Uh, if you could just treat um, maybe just briefly here, this next one, but you talk about how purpose and our own development are a process of not only evolution, but also involution. And you say that our soul, soul purpose inwardly unfolds and then outwardly expresses itself over and over throughout our lifetimes. That's so, it's such a great way to articulate something really spectacular. You know, and I didn't know there was a word involution. It, it came to me one day, it was like a download. And I'm like, what is an involution? And I had to go look it up. <laughs> and um, so it's what we do innately when in this evolutionary drive to become more of ourselves we have an experience, we take it in, we grapple with it, we, you know, in the internal milieu, we become something as in response to that experience, and then we put out a new expression. And so really simply, it's just this feedback loop from out to in, to out to in, to out to in, and each time we have an experience, we're doing this all day long every day, right? So each time we have the experience, it, we just sort of wrestle with it inside, and it becomes a a, um, a refinement of who we are. And so I, I guess you could call involution that internal refinement process that our soul and our mind and our spirit are just really wrestling with, like, well, how does this fit with my internal milieu and and then it becomes a new expression of ourselves Mm. what i get when you talk about that holly is it feels like your golden thread is just looping round and round and round yeah Uh it's either a virtuous or a vicious cycle depending on Mm. which trajectory you're on yes 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 well here we are we've we've already gotten to the end of this and uh it's amazing how fast it went and i i'm so grateful that you came into my life thanks to ellie tahar in new zealand thank you ellie for delivering holly to me um you know this program holly's listening to, to listeners across the globe and people that are listening to this are really trying to create help understand their own and prove their own experience of, of meaning and purpose in their lives and and to become a more inspirational leader and have a greater impact on those that they lead so what would you like to leave the listeners with today? Well, I would love to lead the listeners with the, the notion that um, you're always living purpose and that you can have a greater expression of purpose if you become intent on becoming more of yourself. And I have a, several free resources on my website, emergenceinstitute.net. Um, there's a purpose to impact roadmap that lays out the 12 steps that I use with my clients to go from purpose clarity to full expression, having impact in the world. And there's also a free audio course. Um, I'd say read the book if it all intrigues you. You don't have to read the densest middle parts, but they are illuminating. 
Um, and I have a new community that I'm inviting people into who are literally on purpose and wanting a fertile ground to find other like-minded, like-souled people. And it's called Purpose Creators. And you can also find that on my website. Um, and I just, inspiration to be more of you because there is no other like you on the planet or anywhere in the cosmos. And if, if you are on purpose and living your best life, then you are having an impact. And I just implore us all to be that. I'm completely aligned, Holly. I, I, my stance is that we need everyone to be living and working from purpose to, to be able to create the world that we all want to live in and make a difference that's worthy of your one precious life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, Beautiful. You so Thank you for having for, for coming on, being part of this, for delivering your, your message and sharing with our listeners and viewers. I know it's going to make a big difference to people. So I'm so happy to have you. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Dr. Hollywood's, her book, The Golden Thread, or her Purpose Creators Collective Community, visit her website, as she mentioned. It's emergenceinstitute.com. So let me spell that for you. E-M-E-R-G-E-N-C-E institute.net. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on air with Karen Weeks. She's a senior vice president at Order Groove. We were talking about how this dynamic technology company has been caring for its people and changing its human capital practices to promote well-being during the pandemic. Next week, we'll be on the air with Deval Sangavi. He's the co-founder and partner at Dazra in India. Just a couple of years into his first job at Morgan Stanley in New York, he realized he wanted to be back in India to focus on the lives of many millions that live without dignity and equity. So the Texas born investment banker packed up, came to Mumbai and co-founded Desra. We'll be hearing about the work he and his team are doing to create collaborative platforms and support more than 1000 nonprofits across India and change lives. Promises to be a fantastic conversation. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.